Have you ever come across an odd myth, strange story, weird history, or something that just made you scratch your head and say to yourself, you know, I'd love to know a little bit more about that. Well, you're in luck, and you're in the right place listening to the right podcast, because this is the story of... Welcome to this week's episode of the Story of Podcast. What's up, fellas? What's going on, guys? How are you? Yo, what up, Smith? Happy to be here, man. This week, we chose to go on a different route. So our topic for this week is uh, English idioms. And I think we all picked English idioms uh, because we speak English. So I think that's generally the the language that we chose. So that's cool. So how we're going to do this this week is we are going to do a draft. So we all come in with a different number of idioms on our list. And we're going to go through a draft and draft out 10 per. So we'll go through a snake draft. And then from there, we'll start talking about our idioms, uh, what they are, where they, what they mean, and where they come from. So if, uh, if you guys have, uh, unless you guys have anything else to add, let's start the draft. You guys ready to roll? Let's do it. Go. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. All right. So let's go. Uh, let's go to the new guy. Joey, you're going to start with us. So you'll go. You'll draft first. Mike, you can draft second. I'll go third, and then we'll go. We'll snake it. We'll go me twice, and then uh, back. Uh, was it back to Mike, and then to Joe, and then but then Mike. Yeah, I don't know. Good. All right, it's whatever. Good. We'll 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 make it up as whatever. we go along. I don't really give a shit. Yeah. We got to find somewhere where Mike has to go twice. So we'll do it. Nah, that's all good. I don't care. I like being in the middle. That's what she said. I'm I'm the meat in your sandwich. Yeah, that's definitely what she said. All right, so Joe Camps, you're first, kid. I went up uh, the uh, sports route. I don't know if you guys went down that road. So I got sports no. idioms for you. And my number one is the term Southpaw. Southpaw. Oh, oh I like that one. That's oh. interesting. Right. That's a good one, That's dude. Very good. All right. All right. So Joe, Joe's going to start off with his number one pick. Mike, what is your number one pick? My number one is one of the most favorite ones I have. And I learned about it back in college. I have to go rule of thumb. Ooh, I like that one. Now, I think I might know the origin of that one, but I don't know if it's right or not. So that's pretty cool. There's a lot of hearsay behind it, but I'm going to get into it. And there's also how it's kind of carried over into modern times. It, it, I'm really excited for that one. That's why awesome. I went number one with that. Awesome. All right, cool. My number one is going to be one that I use in class all the time. It's one of my favorites. And uh, that one is called, uh, that one is Bite the Bullet. That's a great good one. That's a really good one. Solid pick, dude. Yeah, I like that one a lot. All right. So do I go again? Was that how we're going to do it? Yeah, you go again. All right, I'll go again. Um, This next one is one that I came across. I never knew it, and I really liked it. Meet the deadline. That's going to be my number two. Okay. It's a good one. A little nervous about that one, but all right. Up to Mike. What do you got? (laughs) You should be. (laughs) All right, my number two. Going with another classic. Going with Saved by the Bell. Ooh. Ooh. I saw that. I did not pick it, so that's okay. Continuing my sports idioms, I'm going with square one or back to square one. Oh. (laughs) That's great, man. (laughs) That's good, man. I dude, you're touching ones I didn't even look at. I'm I'm very pumped for these. Dude, I hadn't even seen any of those, yeah. See, that's that's why I like our our method of doing this 
is that's not even a thought. Like I didn't even have it. Like I didn't even think about sports uh, idioms. That, yeah, that's pretty neither. cool. Me neither. All right, this one sounds a little cheesy, but there's a cool story behind it. It is batting a thousand. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I promise that'll be a good one. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> All right. All right, Mike, you're up next. Um, I'm going to go with another classic. I think I'm going to go with um, Mad as a Hatter. I came across that one. Yeah, it's a great story. Too. Very good story. All right. So my number three, I love it. It's also another one that I use class all the time. Riding shotgun. Oh, I was going to go shotgun. I was like, oh, I was hoping I can drop a little bit lower so I can get that one later. But solid pick. Just try to do it your defense, you know? I understand. Yeah, yeah very good. I like it. So this one is a little bit more geared towards our English audience uh, over in England. Getting sacked. Oh, didn't even see that one. On Long Island, we say getting teabagged. Is that what you mean? No. <laughs> but I can, I can see why you went that way. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right, Mike, you're up, man. My number four, I'm going to go with fly off the handle. Ooh, I came across that one. That was a good one. That was very interesting. Yeah, I did not know that story. That was a good one. All right, I guess I'm out of my sports ones. So uh, the bee's knees, fellas. Ooh, okay. bee's knees. Okay. Good one. I got two stories for I'm this very one. Very fond of that line, actually. It's that's a good one. Okay, you get a second one. Oh, um, bury the hatchet. That's oh, a very just good one looking too. at that man. That's a good one. Did not know that one. Okay, so Joe, I, I feel like I might be stealing this one from you, but I gotta go with it. Skeleton in the closet. I didn't pick that, but I saw it. That's a good one. I didn't even come across that, that one. Really? That's a good no, one. That's a good one. That, that does sound very interesting. All right. I get my uh, I get two now, right? Yes. Yes, sir. All right. My first one, number five. Cost an arm and a leg. Yes. Oh. I came across that a few times. That's a good one. I did not come across that I like one. That. that was interesting. I liked it. Yeah. And then my second one for that will be giving the cold shoulder. Oh, also I like one. that. I did come across that one. That is a good one. I think I'm going to go with Run Amok. Hmm. Okay. My number six pick is going to be Sell Someone Down the River. <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> I think you know where that one's going. Yeah. All right. And yeah. your number seven? Uh, I'm running out here. So <laughs> this one was just <laughs> weird. So I'll just do it. Don't throw the baby out with the dishwater or the bathwater. <laughs> with the bathwater. Bathwater. That was weird. I was right. like, "Holy cow!" Yeah, that's a good one, though. It's a very good one. <laughs> I was gonna try to save this one to the end, but I think I'm gonna just take it up right now. Eye candy. Wow, I didn't even come I across think that, about one. that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like, it's a little bit more of a modern one. When I was finding these things, I was like, "Oh, this is different." Like, I didn't think of this. And there's another one. I'm hoping it'll be my. My last one for the night. I don't think you guys will get it. Okay, my number seven, the whole nine yards. All right, and the next one I'm going to do, to spill the beans. Oh, okay. I didn't find that one. I don't think I found that one. one. That's, that's, that's a good classic one. I'm going to go, it's an easy one, classic one, barking up the wrong tree. Good man, like it. All right, good. I think I'm out. My last one is going to be across the board. Okay, that's fair enough. I do have a 10. I'm sorry. Good. Earworm. Oh. Ooh, I thought that was a real thing. 
Shall we discuss earworms? I can't wait. That'll be fun, right? Start thinking. I'm going to give you my list, too. I'm going to go with Stealing Someone's Thunder. Oh, you literally fucking stole my thunder, you prick. That was my next yeah, one. That was a good one. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, that was good. Do you want it? I'll give it to you. No, no, no. That's fine. Go. I, got, I have more, man. I can pick something I got else. More. I'll, get, I got, I'll be willing I, no, no, to no. share my thunder. I, look, bro, you stole the thunder, fair and square. It's your thunder. Take it. I got more. Don't worry. I see. This, the next one I have is more of a modern one. Okay. To surf the net. Okay. Okay. All right. There you go. Nobody. Net surfer. Net surfer. Yeah. Net surfer. Yes. Yes. Is that? It's nothing like a butthole surfer, correct? Not ex- well, it's somewhat similar, but not exactly. Not as many hits as, as butthole servers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my last two will be... Uh, my number nine is going to be Cat Got Your Tongue. Oh, good one. Good one. Classic. And my number ten is going to be To Get Cold Feet. Oh, Ooh, I didn't see that. Very okay. nice. Yeah, that one I... I, I, I like I'm that. actually now really happy that I stole your thunder, because those two are really good. Yeah, no, that that worked out pretty well. That was that was pretty good. All right, so let's go. Let's go story for story. We'll go through them. We'll kind of, you know, we'll we'll do our thing a little bit, and uh, and we'll see where it takes us. So, uh, since Joe and I both got to go like double double picks throughout most of the draft, I think it's only right that we let uh, Mike start us off. Mike, you you want to start us off, man? Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, so I'm gonna go with my number one pick, and that would be rule of thumb. All right, awesome. I'm down. So, meaning for rule of thumb is the benchmark, the standard of how things should be done. So, obviously, um, rule of thumb was a uh, in reference to at some point in time how a man was technically legal to beat his wife as long as the circumference of the stick was no larger than his thumb. Wow. I. I knew that one, and I actually teach that in my class, and I'm happy to know that what I was teaching was correct. I don't think I've ever heard so, that. So, yeah, it's fucked up, man. That's, that's wrong on a lot of levels, man. And people use it like, like it's nothing. Yeah. So it was just like, okay. And it's funny, when I first heard this, um, I was actually in college, and one of my professors... I was going to visit him after class and talking to him about something, and I said it. And he goes, do you even know what that means? I said, yeah, you know, it's this. He goes, no, no, but do you know where it comes from? I said, no, I have no idea. <laughs> and then, like, he told me the whole story. I'm like, dude, I'm like, that's pretty wild. I'm like, I will never say that again. And then I try to educate people as time has gone on. I'm like, um, do you really know what that means? And then, like, bringing it to their knowledge, and they're like, oh, I had no idea. So... It's fun to bring that one out, and that's why I had to go with that as my number one pick. Yeah, that's a that's a good pick. And every, whenever I teach the, uh, I teach the reform movements of the eighteen hundreds and the, the women's reform movement, and and you know the cult of domesticity, and you know how women were expected to be second class citizens, and that it always comes up during that that um, during that unit to kind of show like just how normalized that was at some point. You know, it's it's fucking it's nuts, dude. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's a good one. I didn't, that was a very good one. Well, I'm not finished yet with it. So I didn't find anything actually saying anywhere that that, that was actually a law. But okay. what I did find was a um, an article that was actually published 
1982, it was a 109-page document. I think it was from the Department of Justice, and it's the rule uh, under the rule of thumb: battered women in the administration of justice. Wow. So what actually happens is they actually had a 109-page report. And it kind of goes over and examine the role of the police and the prosecutors and the judge involved in spousal abuse cases. Um, it talks about the failure of many of the police departments to have kind of recognized the fact that these things are going on and at times kind of look the other way. Uh, it also talks about the treatment in which the, the violence has occurred as far as the complaints, it's stranger to stranger violence. Oh, and it also discouraged battered women from actually pursuing criminal complaints against these men. So this was that like this was a, a rule that was used, like in justification almost, like in in a, yeah. I guess in a in a in a court case or I don't know if there were any court cases, but something like that. Like they could actually cite this and say, "No, this is the rule," so it was okay. Right. Wow, that's crazy. And it was just like it's. And so in the process of all of it, the whole point of this article was to bring all this information to light and address and try to fix some of the problems by offering such as uh, counseling, uh, mediation, an actual route for women to try to pursue, you know, the criminal process to prosecute these men, shelters, providing social services to women that are unable to navigate the legal system. So it's pretty crazy that that was something that was published in 1982 yeah, yeah. and and was that paper like directly linked to this saying the rule of thumb oh i actually had to go a little bit further and i was okay. looking and researching and trying to find whatever information i was because i was trying to find when if it was ever like in a book of laws somewhere yeah yeah if it was ever actual legalese but so so this this 109 page paper comes out on how to was he treat women as equals within the justice system when it comes to being battered by men. And you're talking 1982. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's crazy. That's 40 years ago. Like that's insane. That's yeah. That's crazy. Holy shit, man. Did, did we really need a paper to tell us to treat people equal? You know, the worst part is, is that we, we did. did. We did. We did. Yep. And we only got it in 1982. Like, holy shit, yep. man. Yeah, that, you know, wow. we were like what like three Star Wars movie deep by the time that movie fuck you know that that thing came out like that's that's fucked up, dude. Holy shit, man! Wow, good yeah. call, well played. Ooh, and yeah. and I'm I'm I really feel inadequate now. So that like you're you're researching 109 page documents from 1982, and and I did nothing like that. In fact, <laughs> this is the least. Only I, very I got everything on my phone did. this time. This is about as the least amount. Yeah, I've done. For any episode, so all right. Well, nice this, job. Is, this is a fun one. I, I like I said, the only reason why I went deeper with this one is because I wanted to try to find. Hey, in this, you know, in this state, this was actually a law. Yeah. Or in this country, this was a law, but I couldn't find anything. Had, um, had it been codified or codified? You're right. Yeah. yeah. Had that language been codified within some sort right. of state law of rule of thumb? Interesting. That's what I was really looking for. It's just more kind of like a hometownish type of rule. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a localized type of thing, I guess. Maybe it's a right. I, I, right. I, I picture like you know, not to offend anybody, but I, I would assume in a small town, kind of kind of separated from most of society, and you know, kind mm -hmm. of really like where away I live somewhere. 
Yeah, well, I don't know where exactly you are and how it's tucked away away from society, but tucked away from society. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of tucking happening over here, Mike. We're very, <laughs> we're very tucked, man. We're very tucked. <laughs> you can tell by all the different flags that fly around in my, in my, okay, in my neighborhood. So. All right, nice job. All right, man. Uh, good, good call. Now, good work. All right, Joe, you want to go next, buddy? Sure thing. I'll I'll lighten the mood a little bit and talk about Southpaws. Um, yeah, I like this one. This, this is, is a good. good one. I I have to admit, I am that arrogant guy. I don't want to be a know-it-all, but whenever someone says the term Southpaw to me, I have to say, "Hey, do you do you know where that comes from?" And I have to explain it because it's one of my favorite stories <laughs> ever. Because I never knew this. So the term the term means a left-handed person. For those that don't know, a Southpaw mm -hmm. is is a left-handed person. Rocky Balboa was Southpaw. This dates back to baseball, one of my favorite pastimes. Um, and something I never knew was that baseball diamonds were constructed according to the north, south, east, west axes. So home plate was traditionally placed at the west point so that if a batter was at home plate, when they were looking out into the field, the sun would probably either be above them or behind them. So they weren't looking into the sun. So because of home position west, first base would be positioned south. So if a pitcher is standing on his pitching mound watching home plate, his left arm is facing south. So he was termed a southpaw. Wow. wow, that's I love that story, and I've I've seen that's things one, that dude. said no, that's not the real story, but I'm like no, fuck it, I'm going with it. That is the real story. <laughs> that is that's an awesome one. story. I love that so much. At, at this time, on this date, in this podcast, that's the truth. <laughs> I'm declaring it. This is where it comes from. Um, some people said it had something to do with the devil because left left-handed people were were cursed by the devil, so. That's where the South came from. Isn't that true? They are, yeah. We oh, all know that's right? common knowledge. <laughs> Is that not the rule of thumb? Oh. Oh, look at that. <laughs> nice, nice job. Thank you. Thank all you. right. Now we'll, we'll go on to my number one pick was, was Bite the Bullet. I love this one. This is one of my favorite ones. Now, this comes from Civil War era. So I believe the first ever usage of this term was in a novel in 1891. So it's the first time it was recorded on paper, but it had been around quite a bit before that. And the novel was In the Light That Failed. But it's have it's it derived from an earlier uh, period in, in the 1860s, probably a little bit earlier than that, maybe the 1840s, maybe the 1850s in that area. Could be antebellum leading up to the Civil War. But basically what happens is during that time period, specifically in the Civil War, there was many, many a surgeries that were happening due to injuries that took place on the battlefield. And there was no anesthetic. There was no anesthetic to be used. And if there was anesthetic, it, it, it ran out pretty quickly. And you guys are men of science. You know the problem with using alcohol as an anesthetic when you're doing surgery. Not a good idea. Not good. It thins out. Yeah, it thins out the blood and you're going to bleed out, right? So the idea of bite the bullet came through when these men were having to have appendages hacked off, right? Sawed off in the middle of, in the middle of battle and they would take a bullet, a mini ball, and they would put it 
inside of a piece of leather and they would chew it and they would bite down uh, as they were getting their arms sewed, you know, sewed off. And when you had to do something that was that shitty, you had to bite the bullet, right? Which means, is where the idea, bite the bullet means enduring something difficult or unpleasant, like having your arm sawed off with a bone saw in the middle of a battle. Now, the really shitty part about that is now not only are they sawing through your arm, and you're, you're biting this bullet inside of a leather, but at the end of it, they had they take a piece of pliers. They call them bone nips, and they they couldn't sew your arm up or or you know get your arm. They couldn't you know get get the wound uh, closed up with like uneven chipped out bone. So they take these bone nips and they grab like the pieces of bone that were jagged and they right and just kind of nip them off. Now you, I'm you had to have been out by that point. I'm already from, feeling that. from just pain. Yeah, and then. This whole time, as they're sawing through your arm and they're nipping right the little pieces of bone off, and you're biting that bullet inside of a fire, they have a piece of steel that's heating up because they're not skilled enough. Surgeons at that time were most often the town barbers because they were the ones that were handiest with the blade. And so they would take this piece of steel, slap it onto the wound, cauterize the entire thing closed. And if you've ever had cauterization done, it hurts like a motherfucker. I had my nose cauterized after it was bitten off. It's awful. Uh, and you smell your own burning flesh. It's a terrible, terrible yeah. ordeal. And uh, and hence, well, you know, why, <laughs> why when you go through something awful, they have the term bite the bullet. And that is where it comes from. Now, there is a secondary story where they talk about they uh, there was a phrase back in the day called uh, chewing the bullet, where if if soldiers were very, very uh, thirsty, they could take a bullet. And kind of chew on the the lead that was in the bullet, and it would kind of stimulate their glands and create saliva in their mouth. But I like the one that I have better, so we're going with that one. So there's my number one pick. I like it. You guys went so dark. I don't know why you didn't just do baseball like I did. He has. He had a good dark with yours. I think it really speaks to who we are versus you, dude. <laughs> You're a fucking sunshine and lollipop. Oh, yeah, man. big you time. Dana, like doom and, doom and gloom. Sick fucks. That's, wait till yeah, we get really. to meet the deadline. That's even better, man. <laughs> All right, Mike, you're up. <laughs> so this one to follow, and it's going to be a really definitely a much more upbeat one. So save by the bell. Hmm. So to be saved by the bell is to save or to spare someone from difficulty or misfortune by some intervention at the very last moment. So that's the meaning. Now, the origin behind it is back in the 1800s, uh, there were people that were presumed to possibly be buried alive. So what they used to do is they used to have the person was buried in a coffin and they actually have a rope that was kind of like left in their hand, which was connected to a bell above the ground. Mm -hmm. And if they were to wake up or become, you know, not dead anymore. They would <laughs> pull the rope and they would ring the bell. Holy and then cow. The, yep. the, uh, the groundskeeper at the graveyard would come over and start to bring them out and dig them up. Bring out your dead. Yeah. Mike, so didn't then, you teach us about that with the inventions episode? I did, actually. And that's you why did. I was like, Ooh, I have to go with this one right away because I'm like, it just connects the dots even more. Good callback, man. Good callback. I am, yeah. I am in shock. I am without words. <laughs> so it's always good to be saved by the bell. And then I was, as I was looking at it and I started to think, well, if this was something that was happening very often, 
why were we burying people six feet underground? <laughs> that is more of a, a shallow a good question. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I was like, well, you know what? Fuck it. I'm already looking shit up. Let's look it up. So the, apparently the reason why people are buried six feet underground is it would actually deter grave robbers from digging up bodies and sealing things that have possibly been put into the coffin. Uh, it's also deep enough to make sure that if someone was over that area and they were doing any sort of machine work, that it wouldn't disrupt the body or the coffin mm. for that matter. So that is why we are buried six feet under. Is that still, do, oh. do we still follow that rule? Is it still six feet? We do. We do? It's the rule of thumb. It's the rule. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is yeah. the rule of thumb. Uh, yes. It's gonna be a lot of this whole night. I can yeah, see it already. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That that's that's the way it should be. All right, not as dark, Mike. Not as dark. That was good. I like that one. I mean, you, really, I was like, that's pretty dark. The it's fact pretty that you're, creepy. You think that you're gonna be buried alive? The fact that it was a problem. Dude, that's gotta be the. Oh, <laughs> it, it, the worst is is that, that they had to do. This? Yes, where yeah. there's somebody that invented right. They invented this device, and when yes. if if it by this time, once this episode has dropped, the inventions episode will have already dropped, which is great. So our, our, our listeners will, will be familiar with that one. But I mean, look, you know, every invention needs a market, right? So a, a, there was a market right. for somehow saving somebody who, because I mean, think about it. This 16, 17, 1800s, they don't have a way. They don't have the machines that we have today, right? To detect zero heartbeat or anything like that. We had, they, people just, you know, woke up and they were like, what the fuck? You know, that's awful. That's awful. And and a lot of the times that goes into the uh, the 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 myths of the undead, because for whatever reason, if they believe that somebody may have not been dead, and they they use not uncommon where they exhume a body and they find scrape marks on yeah. the coffin, and they were like, "Oh my god, he's a vampire!" Right? Well, no, you buried him alive, and fucker was trying to get out, you know. Yeah. And they would look at their fingers, and they they would they would have clawed until their fingers were bloody and their their nails were gone. One of the things in the other episode that you, you haven't heard yet, Joe, is so Bill actually was the one that did the one with the bell. Did he? Okay. Yeah, he, but I went first and mine was actually the fact that these guys had put almost like a periscope kind of device. Yes. <laughs> and that way it actually allowed air to travel back and forth in there. Mm -hmm. And that way, you know, you can actually get somebody's attention and still be able to breathe. Yeah. Whereas the bell, you would just that, that stop getting. Just like ringing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'd just suffocate, though, if they don't get to you. Oh, I mean, how many people oh, are listening for a bell at one thirty in the morning? At yeah. a fucking, you know, 19th about the right century. Yeah, yeah, you, you're walking around. What the hell is that bell? What is that sound? It's coming from Roy's grave. What the fuck is with Roy? Joe, uh, are you next or am I next? I'm up. Uh, I'm going to go back to sports All right, go for it. to lighten the mood once again. Good. <laughs> We're going to go back to square one, which means go back to the beginning, go back to the start, whatever you want to call it. So square one comes about in the 1920s, 1930s, when radio announcers were commentating uh, soccer matches on the radio. And they thought if they're trying to describe what's happening in a soccer match over the radio, People aren't going to know what's going on. So they divided the field into different squares. And they would tell you over the radio 
oh, in square one, this is happening. In square two, this is happening. And when a player kicked the ball at the goalie and the goalie restarted play, that was always one. So it was back, back to, square to square one, one. and the play resumed and restarted. So that's why we wow. use that term. See, that was nice that's... and easy, nice and uplifting and, and happy, right? <laughs> I, I don't know what the problem is, guys, but... I'm going to take it down a notch, Joe. I'm, I'm done. Take it down yeah, okay, I'm done with my story. <laughs> Well done. All right. So, so my number two is meet the deadline. Now, I got to admit, it, the meaning is to finish something uh, on time. I'm having trouble connecting the meaning to the origin. I'm just going to be upfront with that. That's fine. Maybe, maybe you guys can enlighten me. Maybe you can make the connection. But so we know that to meet a deadline is to finish something on time. The phrase actually has more sinister origins. First, it first appeared during the American Civil War. We're going back to the Civil War again. And it was that what happens was that at the prisoner of war camps, there was a line drawn 20 feet from the inside of the stockade where federal federal prisons were being kept. So they have the, the, the wall of the stockade and they would draw a line 20 feet from that wall. And this line set the boundary for where the prisoners were allowed to go. And if they crossed that line was known as a deadline. And if you crossed the deadline, you were shot. Bam, right then and there. Done. So. I get the idea for the name deadline makes sense, but I'm not really able to connect it to where it means finishing something on time. I don't really see yeah. the connection. Do you guys see? I know what you mean. Yeah. Not making sense there. However, I thought it was pretty dark and it was pretty badass. Yeah. So I went. So you explained the, the, the I, word I, deadline, which is good. I didn't know that either. Yes. I, yeah. So any listeners out there, we'll, we'll leave a, uh, we'll, we'll leave a question and answer. If you guys, can make that connection. And, and I'm, I guarantee you where I was getting a lot of these from, they actually allowed replies to a lot of the information. And, and every reply was like, no, that's not actually what this means. <laughs> so if you guys uh, want to be uppity Karens and, and, and correct us on this, you're more than welcome to. That's perfectly okay. Except the Southpaw thing. That is true. And we are not debating that. Yeah. And bite the bullet. And don't, bite the you know, don't fuck with that one. All right, Mike, Very you nice. are up. All right. My number three mad as a hatter oh yes mm. so mad as a hatter someone who is believed uh who is behaving unpredictably or have gone insane so this that is the meaning the origin of it is hat makers from the 18th and early 20th centuries used a toxic substance formerly named mercurius nitrate to turn the animal hides into felt uh in order to make hats uh, mercury obviously is Pretty a deadly. cumulative poison that accumulates in the body. Um, most people that do have any sort of mercury poisoning at this point, it's from eating too much fish. Yes. So, yes. One thing that we uh, still have. Uh, other than that, you really you can't even buy a mercury thermometer anymore. I was looking so, the other day. I couldn't find one. Yeah. They haven't sold them in like 20 years because people would wind up breaking them. And what would they do? They would they play throw it in the garbage and end up yeah. in the drinking water. Oh, I play I, I, like the Terminator. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> uh, so many of these hat makers started to experience the symptoms of having mercury poisoning and essentially would start to go insane and lose their minds. And they really did not know why um, until it was in December of 41. They had changed the standard of practice and that it was no longer to be used in order to make felt. And it was 
banned in the U.S. at that point. Now, when you say 41, what century are we talking about? Oh, 1941. I'm sorry. Get 1941. the fuck out of here. That, yeah. that late? Yep. People were mad as a hatter up until 1941? Yep. That's crazy. No pun intended. <laughs> and then, obviously, the story of the mad as a hatter obviously goes to probably the most famous of them all. And that is Lewis Carroll's uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, which was published in 1865. This idea, this this term was around prior, before. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it reached back to the 18th century. Yeah, um, so he didn't he didn't create that. Yeah. That's crazy. That's fucking. So that awesome. is why mad as a hatter. Wow, maybe that's why all like the business tycoons and every they were like fucking nuts. They were batshit crazy. Right. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, in early industrial times that people were being exposed to all different types of oh, chemicals yeah. and substances and not really knowing what are the long-term lasting effects yeah. of all these things. Even to this day, we still don't know a lot about these things that we yeah. use. There's a famous story uh, of the radium girls. I'm not sure if mm -hmm. you guys are familiar with the radium girls where yeah. they were, they would paint, uh, was it watches? They would paint Watch uh, faces of the watches and they used radium in the paint, I think it was in the paint, and because it would allow it to glow in the, in the dark, and they were encouraged to just take the the paintbrush and just, you know, in their their lips to kind of keep it to a point, but they were slowly poisoning themselves with radium, and their oh, wow. gums would turn blue, their teeth would fall out, and in many cases, their jaws fell off of their faces. It was insane. And there was a major lawsuit that came into effect and uh, and started to change, you know, laws of, of workforce laws to try to keep people safer. Yeah. We can do an entire episode on just radium uh, and, and all the stuff radium yeah. was used for. It was... And Marie Curie, right? There's yep. there's some shit with radium with... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we it. should do an app... Yes, they. we should do... And her husband, there was some shit with her husband, too, right? Pierre Curie, yeah. I teach about all this stuff in yeah, my yeah. classes, and yeah, it's, this is a good part of history. Very good part of history. I think Radium would be a great episode, or just the Radium Girls. I think the Radium Girls would be a sick episode. That would yeah. be really good. Tom Morello talks about the, the Radium Girls all the time, because hmm. uh, Tom Morello is a fucking badass. So. <laughs> God. No, it's your number three. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm jumping the gun. Oh, Anybody get that one? I did not get that one. Didn't think of that. So much to write that down quickly. Ah, look it up quickly. Yeah, yeah, go. I might take that later on. Yeah. Well, all right, baseball, back to uplifting Americana. When you are batting a thousand, folks, when you are batting a thousand, you are doing very well. You are doing good for yourself. Well, the phrase comes from baseball batting averages. And for those that don't know, your batting average is a percentage. And uh, it's out of out of a hundred or out of one. Now there are some players that show up to the big leagues and they get one at bat if they're lucky, and they hit, and then they are sent back to the uh, minor leagues or they stop playing or something like that. So they are known to have a batting average of one thousand. However, yep. I had to deep dive this. There is one player. Back in 1963, by the name of John Pasarek, who played for the Houston Colt 45s, who okay. became the Houston Astros. And this gentleman had five at bats, three hits, and two walks. 
So he actually was at bat multiple times. And, and still kept a thousand. Wow. Average. He's the only one to do it that many times. So he holds that record. Technically, yeah, the, the, the walk does not count as an at-bat. Yep. The walks don't affect batting average. So the three hits, the three runs he got, three hits and runs mm-hmm. uh, counted. So he has a thousand batting average still in the history books to this day. Then I had to look up what is the highest overall batting average leader of all time besides the 1,000, and I will open it up to the floor. Do you guys know who the highest average is? I think it's Ty Cobb. Ty, is it Ty Cobb? I got to go. Is it really Ty, Ty Cobb? Cobb? Yep. Yeah, I was going to go Ty Cobb or Tony Gwynn. My other guess would have been Ted Williams. Ted, Ted Williams, Williams was further down, down the shit. list, actually. He was like top 10, I think, but he was further down. Mm-hmm. Ty Cobb was like the overall leader, 366 over... 24 years 24 seasons damn so yeah very very he was a real piece of shit too that was you know like he was a real piece of shit on and off the field he was tommy lee jones played him in that movie remember that movie yeah yeah isn't there a whole curb your enthusiasm episode about the cop salad I don't know. I gotta look into that. That'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> Larry <laughs> David gets into this, he gets into this huge fucking fight with this guy about the Cobb salad. My my grandfather's name was Roy Cobb. <laughs> he invented the salad. <laughs> Larry David's like, you're a liar. <laughs> like it's it's fucking great. <laughs> I remember that now. That's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that was what it was, or or it might have been another salad. I don't remember, but yeah, that well well played, man. Well played. That was yeah, that was a. You. That was good. And I found real quick, if we just want to go like really quick, jumping the gun, the official start gun for a race, right? When 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 you oh, have track wow. runners and, and they fire the gun is what starts the race, the signal to start of the race. A runner who begins running before the race and before the, sh- the, uh, the shot has been fired has jumped the gun. Jumped the so gun. Okay. Real time shit right there. Like it. All right. Uh, I apologize that I jumped the gun before. We are on my number three now. Yes. Yes. Okay. Riding shotgun. Real simple. Back in the day, when they were riding covered wagons and going across the country, right, and the, the gold rush and all that stuff, and you had uh, two people up front and in the in the in the wagon. One guy was the, the, the driver. He was steering. He held the reins of the horses. And the person that sat next to him, that person's job was to protect the wagon. And their job was to take a shot at anybody that was coming up. And their job was to hold the shotgun. So the people that sat in the passenger seat were holding the shotgun. And that was their job. So whenever you call shotgun, that's the reason why. That's where it comes from. So if I call shotgun, am I allowed to have a shotgun now? Is that is it legal? <laughs> Can I do that? In Texas, yes. Probably in Texas, say. yes. Anyways, so that's that's my number three. Mike, we're going back to you, that's my friend. One. Okay, this one is very short. Very, very short one. That, but to fly said. off the handle. <laughs> so before the days of mass merchandising, poorly fastened axe heads would fly off as they were in use. They would become dangerous, and hence why the phrase is known to be a, a risky behavior. Yes. Yep, I had read about that one. That's just an unfortunate accident that's tough right <laughs> if you were a victim of flying off the handle back for the origination yeah. of the phrase like that's that's, that's 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 a shitty way to go i agree feel bad for the blacksmith what did he do he's just trying to make as many axes he's supply and demand quality goes yeah down. i don't blame him yeah no you're right you're right 
you know, if it happened too many times, you'd probably get sacked, and we'll and we'll get to that yeah. one. And just, oh, we'll, we'll get, get to that one in just a sec. But uh, nice. All right, all right, Joe, you're up. You're up uh, on your number four. Number four, gentlemen. Not more. Uh, no more baseball right now. But mm-hmm. bees knees. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now this is interesting to me. I, found- I, I still <laughs> use that term. Yeah, and I I only heard this for the first time maybe a few years ago. I was very sheltered from this term. And I was like, what the hell does that even mean? So apparently the bee's knees means to, I don't know, have a good time or something is really good. Or something is really awesome. Really Mm -hmm. awesome. It's the bee's knees. Okay. Yeah, My shirt is the bee's knees. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) So I found two definitions. The, The lame definition, the lame origin story is that it dates back to uh, when you were at a club, a jazz club, and you were dancing, and you were dan- you were buzzing around like a bee, so you had mm. bees' knees is the way you were dancing. And I was like, all right, that's, that's okay. But I found a better story that I'm going to go with again. I'm going to claim this is the real story. Bees' knees is actually a mispronunciation, and it's supposed to be bees and ease. Standing for be all and end all. So you are the be all and all. You are the that makes more sense. Yeah. And if you were the be all and end all, then you were like the most amazing great thing. And you were the the B and the E, the B and E. And if you said it over and over, it just sounded like bees knees. So Yeah. I like that. Wow. That's gonna go with that one. So bees, like all insects, have Six sections to their legs: the coxa, the the trochanter, the femur, the tibia, the metatarsus, and the tarsus. And each is connected by a joint. And the one that is most like a knee is between the femur and the tibia. So bees actually do have knees. <laughs> Are you looking that up right now? That's some more real time, yeah, shit, right there. <laughs> oh, I love and it. if I can actually interrupt real quick, wow. Uh, I just got the the alert. Barbara Walters just died. Oh, jeez. Oh, Barbara Walters at age ninety three has just passed away. Um, Barbara Walters. So, uh, God rest her soul. All right. This just got real dark. I'm sorry, guys. Can we? I just want to clarify something. Since we just said, um, you know, mispronunciation. When I was reading this about B's and E's. Let's clarify with our, our viewer base and gentlemen, if you don't already know this too, it's not intensive purposes. It's intense and purposes. Yes, it's two words. Yes. Intense. It drives purposes. me f- fucking crazy when people get that uh, they get that wrong. Yeah. Students. It's intensive purposes. Intensive. There, there's no thing intensive about it, sir. Like there's this 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 is this, no. For all intensive person purposes, like what are you fucking talking about? Not a fucking hospital ward. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Okay, so one. this one, not my number four, getting sacked. And this, like. this, what it means is getting it's it's getting fired from a job. Now, this is more of a a English term, not an American English term, but an English English term. And the origin it dates back to the 1500s. And tradesmen they carried all of their belongings and their tools around in a sack that they would leave in a safe place or they would leave it in their boss's office, right? At the end of their shift, they were allowed to go and they would, you know, pick it up. However, if the boss was displeased with their work, he would literally give them their sack. And if they were lost their job, they were thus sacked. 
given their sack and told to leave. Mm, interesting. Interesting. You know what it is? I'm watching Welcome to Wrexham. And and Welcome to Wrexham is a great show. If nobody has seen it, it is on FX. You can uh, catch it on Hulu. Uh, Hulu. I am in no way affiliated with this show, so I am not. Uh, I, I get nothing for promoting this at all. But this is the one where Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They buy a a soccer club out in Wales, and they just hear that term getting sacked all the time. So I saw that, and I was like, oh, I like that one. That's a good one. I'm I'm going to choose that one. That's a good one. Yeah, I thought so. All right. We're, uh, we're, We're halfway through. So, Mike, you're up on number five, yeah? Right. Number five for me is Skeleton in the Closet. Mm. And the meaning behind it is a secret that someone is embarrassed about. So the origin story behind that is uh, before the UK passed its 1832 Anatomy Act, grave robbers would supply skeletons to medical schools. When a raid occurred, the teacher would tend to hide these skeletons in the closet, not to have them confiscated. Wow. That makes me think of Benjamin Franklin. Anybody know the story of Benjamin Franklin? I do not. Ben Franklin, they thought for a while, might have been a serial killer. Because in a house that he rented out in London, underneath the floorboards in the basement of a house that he had rented for quite a while, they found skeletons. Children's skeletons along with them. Many, many skeletons. But what it turns out was somebody that he actually rented the house to, he had owned it. And then he rented it out to somebody else. So I think he had rented it. He bought it and then rented it out, like sub-rented it to another gentleman who was a doctor. And while he was occupying that residence, he was uh, paying people to rob graves and bring the cadavers to the house because doing autopsies was illegal. You couldn't do it. It was desecration of a body. Oh, And so the only way to learn this medical knowledge was to rob bodies from the grave and do illegal uh, autopsies in the middle of the night so that they could actually learn how the body works. It's pretty amazing. There was rumors for many, many years that Ben Franklin was a serial killer, but it is just not that fucking cool because Ben Franklin, man, if he turned out to... Let's go with that. We're going to declare it here. Ben Franklin, serial killer. Officially, <laughs> he was a serial killer. Dude, he's one of the coolest mofos in the world. And sure. if you also put on serial killer on his resume, Why not? I mean, fuck, man. Yeah, I, it just, that brings that man to a whole new level, you know? But anyways. I feel like like Hollywood Hollywood should make a movie about that. Like a Benjamin Franklin serial killer movie. Like Abe, Hink, Abe Lincoln vampire killer. Vampire killer, you know? yes. What yeah, was absolutely. it? The other one, um, the man that killed Bigfoot and killed Hitler? or, or got You know, by... Bill, Bill was telling me about that movie. I have not seen that movie, and he said that it was amazing. He was like, you have to watch it, that it was movie. Like the, the weirdest title for a movie ever. The man who, who killed Bigfoot and then killed Hitler. I think the name of it is something yeah, along those. Weird and title. Bill's like, bro, you have to watch this movie. Like, I'm telling you, the title's fucking insane, but it, it's a great movie. And, and Bill's generally, he's on point with those. So I, I just haven't gotten around to, to watching it. And I forget, so there's a big star in it, and I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, I, I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but if anybody comes across it, let me know. Very nice. Very nice. I like that one. I'm trying to see if I can look that up for you right now. Good, good, good. I can't find it. Yeah. Oh, so um, the, the name of that movie, by the way, is The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then... So I had it backwards. Okay. Then Bigfoot. The the Bigfoot. So who who's the star? Sam Elliott. Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliott. Oh, Gotta be. Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliott. 
If there was one man on oh. this planet that I would believe killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot, it would oh, be yeah. Sam fucking Elliot and his mustache for sure. Man, <laughs> well, I still cry. This, 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 this cover just looks badass already. I'm watching this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still cry from Roadhouse when he, oh God, that gets me every time. <laughs> I, I, it's, I, I have trouble with that, you know. All right, Joe, you up? Back to dark American history. Bury the hatchet. Okay? When you bury the hatchet, you are promoting peace or you're trying to establish peace or you're trying to end a disagreement or ending a fight. The term dates back to the early Americas with the Native Americans. And the Native Americans would literally bury their weapons in the ground to show the settlers that they meant them no harm. And then the settlers gave them a small box. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's the end of that. Story. On purpose. On purpose. Yeah. Because they were still too On scared. Purpose. Well, it's uh, if, if April showers bring May flowers, what do May flowers bring? Pilgrims. No, smallpox. Oh. May flowers. Oh. Got it. Got it. It's a history joke. I, like <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it when people say pilgrims and then you go, no, no, smallpox. <laughs> Death and genocide. So yes, that's, but the colonists took that that uh, that that meaning of, of that that symbolic move, and they would use that with other Native American groups as they went further west to show them that they meant no harm, and then later murdered them afterwards. So it was used by one by the native. Uh, I believe it was the Iroquois Nation in the the northeast of the United States, which originated that, and then. The white man stole it like they did all the land, and then they uh, used it to further murder the Native American or the Native race or the indigenous population from there. We call it colonizing, Smith. It's colonizing. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. I'm sure, sure. Sure. <laughs> I love it, man. I got to be honest. I love it when I when I go on Twitter and people like refer to white people as colonizers. Like, that's fucking awesome. Like, that's <laughs> dude, like, yes. You're right. You're right. Totally. That's, you know, of anybody European descent is like, yeah, fucking colonizers. Yeah, I'm not proud of that. I'm saying, but that's like, yes, you're calling it by the real name. You know what I mean? Um. So yes. All right. Am I up for number five? Yes, you're number five. Okay. Uh, no more dark ones. Uh, anymore. Not until about number nine. But this one I thought was just funny. That cost an arm and a leg. Cost an arm. It's to be expensive. Okay. And really what it comes down to was when you were having your portrait painted in the 18th century, it, it wasn't the price of the portrait wasn't based on how many people were in the picture, but how many limbs they had to paint. So the cheapest option was you're just your head and your shoulders painted. And therefore the price increased as the portrait became larger with the inclusion of arms and legs. Therefore, the idea of something costing you an arm and a leg and being more expensive comes from the fact that when they would paint paintings and portraits, if they had to paint arms and legs, it would be more expensive. I'm not an artist, but I like that one. That's George crazy. Washington was was known to really like get pissed off about that, which is why there there are not that many, you know, paintings of Washington full bodied. He didn't. He was kind of annoyed by that, which is kind of interesting. Because Washington was the richest man in America at the time. I learned in art history class uh, in college, not about that specifically, but I learned that 
if a portrait showed a full body, that person was very upper class or very wealthy or something like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I never put the, that shit together. It was just that if you saw a full body, yep. they were a very prestigious person. If you only saw a bust of them, they were probably just you know a regular person. So yeah, that yeah, fits because they couldn't afford it. Yep, it's really interesting. If the shoe fits, if the shoe fits. <laughs> when in Rome. <laughs> oh, here we're just rolling them out now. <laughs> right, we're gonna do. We're gonna do. You know what they say? <laughs> when in Rome. It's a, it's a phrase. <laughs> All right, Mr. Mike, okay. you're up, buddy. What, are, what do they say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go with my number six to run amok. Mm, that was a good one. Uh, the meaning behind it is to behave or to run around in a wild, unruly, out of control manner or to become crazy or chaotic. That is what happened at your apartment for many years. <laughs> It, it it definitely was. <laughs> so this is actually um, based off of something from the Mylan culture. And at a time, it was believed that your body was almost being possessed by evil spirits. The evil spirits are kind of what took over the person's body, essentially made them do these outlandish things. Um, it would be to attack people or attempt to kill someone that they came across and then later on return back to normal and not really knowing why or how that happened. Well, almost like a possession. Now, did you see anything with the, the spellings? No, I did not. Ah, the original well, spelling. Was, a, was it the run and then a muck and then a separate from muck and... Going all, all I came across was that the expression comes from the Malaysian word amok, A M O Q. Oh, yep, that's that's it. And when it translated, it literally describes the behavior of tribe tribesmen who, under the influence of opium, would become wild and attack anybody in their path. Oh, sick. Yeah, that's better yeah, than mine. That's what Joe used to do when he would smoke opium. <laughs> oh, yeah, remember that, Joe? That was crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's, seventh grade was fucking nuts, man. <laughs> Seventh grade. So those to... were the times. Oh, Mike, I didn't. I didn't mean to steal your thunder on that one. I'm sorry. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to steal your thunder later. <laughs> I got it. Okay. All right, Joe, you're up. You're number six. All right, number six. Um, being sold down the river or selling mm. someone down the river. Mm. Uh, so I'm not really sure what this means. The definition I got out of it is you put somebody in a dangerous situation. By lying to them? Is, does that sound right? Is that what that phrase means? I don't know. Yeah, I also like... I, I goes also like you, you're turning somebody in, right? Almost. You're kind of screwing someone okay, over. Like, down down you let someone, someone in. Yeah, Makes yeah, sense, yeah. I guess. So the phrase originates in the 1800s in the United States when slavery was now illegal, but there was a quote, black market for still selling slaves internally. Not importing slaves from Africa, but so selling them. After 18, 1808, after 1808, when the Constitution declared slavery from uh, bringing it in from Africa as, as illegal. As illegal, yeah. So you could you could yeah. still own slaves and you could still yep. sell slaves. You could sell not, within the United States, but you could not technically import. From, import from more. 
Okay. So yeah. the river they're speaking of is the Mississippi River, and they're famous slave market uh, somewhere along the oh. Mississippi, and they would sell you down the river, and they they wow. would sit you on a boat or a raft or something down to this market, and you were sold at market. Um, and that wow. was being sold down the river. Yeah, that's kind of a really dark one because I people use that, yeah. Mike, like, like rule of thumb. People use this term a lot, mm. and I don't think they really know where this one comes realizing. from. So we need to put an end to yeah. this one. For I think we need to stop saying this Definitely. one, please. This is yeah, a very no, very right. dark it's one. Just, we need to move past that for sure. Yeah, I agree. Well done. Thank nice you, thank one. You. Good. Oof. All right, uh, this one, my next one, yeah? Go. And number six. Okay, so number six, giving the cold shoulder. Now, let's see. Uh, so is it being unwelcoming, antisocial towards someone? Like, you know, uh, you get into a spat with your spouse and you're kind of, you know, you're giving them the silent treatment, you're giving them the cold shoulder. And and so in medieval England, it was customary to give a a a guest. Well, they had, they'd have a, a big pork roast or you know really nice cut of meat, and they would you know serve it up hot, right? Be good meal, right? Well, if there was somebody that you didn't like and they were kind of like an unwelcomed guest at your home, you would give them a really like shitty piece of mutton from the shoulder, right? The shoulder of mutton or pork or beef chop, and you would serve it to them cold. And that would be a very quiet way of telling, telling them then, you know, get the fuck out of my house. And so you were literally serving them the cold shoulder. I like that. I'm going to use that one. I like that one. That's a great one. That's a great one. Like, Joe, when you say use that one, are you going to, like, serve someone, like, yes. cold mutton? Like, good. Okay. And they're going to be like, this, this, I think we should bring this one cold. back. Like, and I'm going to be like, get the fuck out. That's why. That's why you're yeah. cold. Yeah. You don't even have to say it. You just look at them and go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just oh, stare at them. Is this supposed to be cold? <laughs> yes. For you, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. I'm enjoying my hot um, my hot beef, sir. <laughs> I, I, I that like being said, I'd love beef. to invite you guys to a barbecue in my house. Uh, let's set a date. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to- I don't know. It's it's a long commute to your house. We'll we'll have to make something happen. Maybe we can all just like meet in Delaware at some point. We'll We'll just do that. We'll do a show from Delaware, and you know, halfway through. (laughs) So yeah, that is giving the cold shoulder. I like that one. All right, Um, Mike, you're up, buddy. Number seven. All right. So my number seven. This this one's a little bit more of an upbeat kind of one, kind of modern as well. Uh, I have eye candy. I feel like this is used very often. Um, but I don't think anybody really knows the origin of, of the eye candy. So the story is actually based off of a glass artist. A glass artist. Her name was Ginny Ruffner. She was in a serious car accident in 1991. Uh, she awoke after being in a coma for a few weeks, and she was partially paralyzed, and she was suffering memory loss. She said that it felt like she was in a house and not knowing reason why she was in this house but she knew the house was hers and that's how she described her mind later on wow yeah so one of the things that people did um, in order to stimulate her memory her friends who were also artists and they were glass artists so they actually made it almost looks like a bouquet of 
blown glass orbs, bright colors and patterns. And they were each individually handcrafted by her friends. And they were just these really, I have to try to see if I can find the picture of it. And it's these beautiful glass orbs. And literally, they called it eye candy. Because they felt mm. by, by giving this you know, gift to her, it may stimulate some of her memories of things that she used to do and the colors and would bring back some of her memory. Wow. That is the story of eye candy. Did 1991, it 92? Did. 91. Wow. Wow, that's really recent. Like that's, recent yeah. term, yeah. Wow, we've been around longer than that term has been around. That's impressive. I feel important. This isn't it, but this looks really fucking cool. Yeah, it looks like candy. Oh, that's literally eyes. eyes. eyes they're, like, they're eyes. Yeah, that's wild. But th there was a different one they actually had with it. I'm trying to see if I can find it. And um, but essentially, the the same exact thing was the fact that they had all these bright colors, and it really he felt yeah. it was individually made and would stimulate something back for her. Um. So yeah, interesting. Nice. Yeah, I was like, that's a really interesting, and I kind of like that it was modern. And, yeah, uh, new. Yeah, yeah. I would have guessed that that was a much older idiom. Yeah, but uh, I, I would have been wrong then. So <laughs> it, was, uh, it was good. Jeopardy question. Yeah. All right, Joe, you're up, buddy. All right, for number seven, folks, please don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, please. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't do. Don't that. do that. Um, I've never heard this before until very recently, and what it means is when you are cleaning, you are not supposed to uh, throw out valuable things with the mm. invaluable things. I guess uh, I don't know. The origin of this is kind of messed up, but kind of funny. Um, I date this back from my research to the 1500s when families would bathe together in one big tub of water and they would mm -hmm. bathe by order so like the adults would bathe first and then the children and then the babies and since the baby was the last one to bathe the water was very dirty and uh murky and, and they would cloudy. bathe one time a year oh yeah i heard that too yeah. once a year they would bathe supposedly but when they were throwing out the dirty water at the end of the night, I guess they lost the baby or two. The baby got lost in that water while they were throwing that out. So it was kind of a warning, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Make sure you find the baby yes. first. I don't know if this is real or not. I, I, I think it's insane. I think, what, it I think it first was don't throw out, out good with the bad. You know what I mean? So, like, if, like, there's one thing that's, like, let's say you're writing a constitution and you got some shitty parts of the constitution. Instead of, like, ripping the whole thing up, you know what I mean, because of a couple of little bad parts, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just fix what you, what you got. And then, you know, but you definitely don't want to throw babies out. No. We are anti-throwing babies out with water. We are yeah, anti that's not a good. It's not, not a good look either. <laughs> How filthy must that water Seriously. have been? Well, you, you lost... You lost a person in that water. Well, I guess back right? then you probably had like 17 children also, right? So you, you probably just yes. lost count. You know, one got right. lost. You're absolutely right. I kind of go with that's why they lost the baby in the bathwater is because it was just too many for them to keep track of. Yeah, well, I mean, that was your... I love the kid. 
dude, your kids were your retirement plan. I mean, that was it. Like right. if you could get, you know, you have 17 kids. If you can get like five to survive to adulthood, they're going to take care of you. You know, like yeah. mortality, you know, infant mortality was at like 78%, you know, for, yeah. you know, quite, quite a long time, you know? Yeah, I like that one. Good call, man. That's a good one. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's good. All right. My next one, the whole nine yards, you know, Ooh. to try your best at something, right? You, you, you just, you go the whole nine yards, right? You, you give it everything you got. Does anybody have a guess where this comes from, what this has to do with? I know exactly where this comes from. Joe, Joe you know yeah. exactly what it has to do with? Mike, do you have a guess of where this, what this has to do with? I don't remember. I thought I remembered it, but I don't. Most people would say, oh, it's a, it's a football thing, right? Something along the lines of, you know, ah, the whole nine yards, yeah. right? Uh, they would be wrong. It's a World War II. It comes from World War II. And fighter pilots, they were equipped with nine yards of ammunition. And so oh, when they ran out, it meant that they, they had to try their best of fighting off the target, right, with the entirety of their, 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 their ammunition. So when they shot everything out, they went the whole nine yards uh, and, and, and when, they were, when they were shooting. And, um, and another one to kind of go with that. Balls to the wall. Mm. Are you guys familiar with that term? Do you know where what that comes from? That I do not. No. That is also a World War II pilot phrase. When they would hit the acceleration on their planes, the the acceleration like stick had two balls on them, and you would push it all the way up forward, like to the wall part. Oh. And so balls to the wall is like giving it everything you got, and that was giving total acceleration to the plane. So it has nothing to do with your testicles. And walls, I think we all thought it, that. I think it, we all took it absolutely right. balls to the wall. Yeah, you don't. No, no, no. It was an aviation term uh, back in the day. Something yes. that happened in Mike's little... apartment in the late nineties. Balls to the wall. Probably. Yes, <laughs> there were lots of balls and walls. Probably. <laughs> People would wonder what happened in this place. What? Yeah, yeah. We should do a we whole episode, episode on, on just Mike's your apartment. apartment. I mean, you've did got ben the Frank, pictures. Did ben Franklin hides the bodies in there that we don't yeah, know about. There, there's, there's, there was cigarettes out of people's asses, and there was oh, quite a, a lot of stuff happening there at that time. Here, in oh, Mike's God. Mike's apartment in the late '90s was a, it was a vibe, bro. It was a, <laughs> it was a thing. Yep, it was a good time, man. <laughs> All right, Mike, you're up next with number eight. All right, my number eight is barking up the wrong tree to have falsely led someone or misguided thoughts about a situation. And the origin, which is really nothing special, but the phrase stems from when hunting dogs would be chasing up animals, up trees, or wherever you know the prey was hiding, dogs would be at the bottom of the tree barking. Eventually, if it's a squirrel or raccoon, they would jump to another tree. The dog essentially was just barking up the wrong tree because okay. there was nothing left there. It's quite literal, actually. Like, fucking dog. What are you doing? I'm trying to go hunt it. What? Oh, it's the dog. He's barking up the wrong tree. Like it's it's. <laughs> man, I don't know why the dog and the and the guys they sound like they're in a 1930s gangster movie, eh? I don't know why they'd be <laughs> hunting, huh? Um, yeah, no, that, that's a good one. Yeah, see, you're barking up the wrong wrong tree. See, nice, 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 nice. All right, that was a good one. All right, Joe, yep. what you got? Your number eight. I got you a two for for number eight. We go back to Ooh, sports, okay. and we're gonna do some horse racing idioms. Mm. Two very famous mm. ones. Number one, hands down, the term "hands mm. down" is from horse racing. So when a horse was 
way in the lead when the jockey knew he was winning, he would uh, let his hands down on the reins and not pull as hard because he was relaxing because he was winning. So when you say hands, hands you were winning hands down, that meant you were easily winning. There was no, mm-hmm. no more fight or anything like that. So that's hands down. Uh, also, across the board, when you do something across the board, that's a term for betting horse races. When you bet on horses, you if you were to bet all three spots, the win place, the, uh, the win spot, the place spot, and the show spot, which is first, second, and third, um, though that would be across the board. You were betting all. So you spots. won across the board. Yep. So you would win all three. Wow. All three spots. And if you're doing that, you're winning hands down. You're winning hands down across oh. the board, baby. So, Damn. Thank oh, you, horse I like that. that was a good one. And can I can I add one real quick to that one? Go. And 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 probably the horses that would be winning were they weren't very long in the tooth. And uh, and what that means is is uh, old. If you've ever heard that, like you know, oh, a guy a little long in the tooth. That's an older expression. And what they would do is it was very hard to determine the age of a horse. And so what they would do is they would measure the teeth because the gum line would recede as the horses got older. So if the horse was very long in the tooth, it means that it was an older horse. Oh, I never heard that one. I actually. I found that as the one for straight from the horse's mouth. And I heard another one from straight from the horse's mouth really? where it was tips on who could win a, a, or what, what horse was going to win basing like the, the better tips you would get would be people that would be closer to the stables and know who the horses were very well, know that their, their intricacies. And so you would getting that information would be getting it from the horse's mouth. Oh wow! That's but I cool. did get the other one with the long and the tooth was getting it from the horse's mouth as well. So I don't know. Somebody's lying somewhere. Yeah, or maybe it's just one big thing that's actually all the same. All the same terms. Could be hands down. Hands down. Hands down. Oh, across the board. <laughs> it's the same thing across the board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. My number eight to spill the beans uh, is to reveal a secret. Right to 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 give up the truth. Right to nowadays, as the kids say, to spill the tea. Spill the tea. The that is the new form. That's the new of, uh, spilling of the beans. Of the beans. Yes. Right. So, this is likely drawn from the ancient Greek process of voting, where votes were cast by placing either one uh, of two different colored beans into a vase or a vase, depending on how uppity you are and how you pronounce that. Usually a white bean meant yes, and a black bean or a brown bean meant no. And if someone literally like knocked over the can of beans or the sack of beans and spilled the beans, the election results would be revealed prematurely. That's a good one. Yeah, they that's spilled it. the beans. Now, though, spilling the tea is kind of like even the gossip. You it's know what gossip, I'm saying? That's right. Tea is gossip. Same thing, right? It goes along. It, it rolled that beautiful bean footage. Right, Duke was always trying to spill the beans on on Bush's beans. You know what I mean? Um, if anybody <laughs> remembers those commercials, so of course. All right, Mike, you're number nine. All right, my number nine. This one was a tough one that I did take from you. And that's mm. to steal the thunder. Oh, yeah. So this one over here is the origin story behind it. Is a uh, it was an English actor by the name of John Dennis who invented a device that um, imitated the sound of thunder. And he was using it for a play 
which flopped. That's it. That's what it sounds like. Soon after, <laughs> soon after that, Dennis noted another play at the same exact theater was using his sound effect device. He became so angry, and he literally said, "That's my thunder." By God, you've stolen my thunder, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker! Stole his thunder for real. Like, John, he literally stole his thunder. John Tennyson was pissed, man. Like, like uh, back wow, to that, man, you're the first cool. person to come up with this sound effect in like Shakespearean theater times. Some motherfucker down the road steals your thunder, literally. Not, not even down the road. It was the same theater. Just his play wasn't that good. <laughs> and they stole it from him and used it in the same theater where his play didn't <laughs> succeed. Wait, wait, that's fine. No, it's not. We, yeah. we can't. <laughs> No, I, I invented that myself. <laughs> Could you imagine? He, he doesn't even care that his play fucking flopped. It was that somebody no. used his thunder device. You know? That's it. His, they stole his thunder paper. He fuck you, my thunder foil. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, that's fucking funny, man. That was a good one. That was a good one. That, I liked. Oh, I really, really liked that one a lot. Yeah, that was a good Very one. Nice. I enjoyed it. I got a good little chuckle out of that when I read yeah. it first. I'm like, oh, I got to get that one. Yep, yep. All right, uh, Joe, you're up. You're number nine. My number nine is a pretty simple one, but I didn't really know where this came from. The term rain check. Um, mm. I used to work in a supermarket way back in high school, and a lot of I times, if, I think we all did in Lindenhurst, yeah. If, uh, if something was out of yeah. stock or if there was a coupon for something and it was out of stock, we would give out rain checks. And I never... Literal rain check. It, it yeah. said on it, rain check. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I never even thought about what the term meant. Well, well first off, if you don't know, a rain check is something uh, to make up for missing out on something. Like if, you, if you're missing out on an yeah, item. Redeem it later on. Redeem it later, get the same price for it or whatever else. Of course, it goes back to baseball, as most things do for me. Um, a rain check was developed when a baseball game was rained out. Literally, the patrons were given a check for the price of the ticket from the team. And they'd said, use this to, to pay for the next ticket uh, on the makeup game. And wow. This is how you're going to come back to the game. So you were given a rain check to come back to the makeup game. So that's where we got that from. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. I like that one, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cute. It's quaint. It's simple. And, it, and we, it's, we use that all the time. Like, ah, I have to take a rain check on that. Yeah. You know? Normally, I've never cashed in rain checks. When I tell someone I'm going to take a rain check, I'm just like, I don't really want yeah, to hang out with you. <laughs> Let's take a rain check. Let's you know, never do it. Ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I rain check that one, and then you are. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I, absolutely. All right. My number nine. Um, I'm going to switch my two. I had originally had my number nine as cack out your tongue, but I want to end off with that one, and I'm going to switch my nine and ten order because uh, fuck you, I can do that. Uh, so I'm going to do. To Get Cold Feet. So To Get Cold Feet, I thought was a really interesting one. And it's very short, simple to the point. It's you lost your nerve, right, or your confidence to do something. You often hear it with marriages. Uh-oh, you're getting cold feet, right, that type of thing. And this originates, it's a military term. Warriors or, or fighters, as we know, the most important part of a soldier's body is their feet. If the soldier's feet are not taken care of, they will not your feet and your stomach, right? They, if your feet are in bad, bad shape, you can't, you can't go, right? So warriors who literally had frozen feet were not able 
to rush into battle. And they had cold feet and couldn't fight. And voila. Quite uh, literal, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, you know, makes sense. Makes Very, sense. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that one. I didn't even come across it, though. But it's thought- pretty cool. So mine, my last one, is to surf the net. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That is to quickly move from web page to web page, right? We all know what it is to surf the net. We all remember from being kids. So a librarian was actually credited with this term back in the 90s as surf the net. Her name was Jean Polly. She was one of the librarians that first popularized a free internet access. Um, she was also... He advocated for the Liverpool Public Library in Liverpool, New York, to make computers and internet access available for all library patrons. He faced backlash from traditional librarians who saw the internet as a threat to books and to printed material. And they were right. (laughs) They were right, obviously. So she actually came out with a guide in 1992, and it was titled Surfing the Internet, an introduction. And it was really became coined at that point, and people really just used it all the time. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to go home and surf the net. Yeah, but you know, if you use that now, you get like punched in the face and nobody talks to you. Right. It's a very, very small window where you can use it and sound cool. Yeah. Not very. I'm I'm surfing the net. Like, what are you, fucking 49 years old? All right, Ned Flanders. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Ned Flanders. I said that I had to kick my own ass. (laughs) Yeah. So a librarian so, coined that. Librarian. So the irony is so thick on that one. Like that's just <laughs> here's the here's the, the the way this ends is in 2019 she was actually inducted into the Internet Hall of Fame. Don't fucking tell me there's an Internet I know, we Hall of that. Fame. Are you serious? I'm like, Wait, I'm gonna go surf fame? that and find out. No. Surf the net and find out about that Internet Hall of Fame. There's an internet hall of fame. Like, fucking, I bet you it's like the highest, like, viewed YouTube video of all time. Like, they're probably in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. We should do, we should do an episode on, on the internet hall of fame and tell the story of everybody that's in the fucking hall of fame. That'd be good. Yeah. That would be a good one. Probably a short list. Divvy up names. We'll pull, we'll pull them out like hats. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, it's a short list, you said? It's got to be. I would. Well, maybe. I don't know. No, no, dude. This. That's. Yo, that's. Some, that's. Listen, some I'm, right I'm not buying this internet thing. This whole thing's gonna crash. It. This is a fad. <laughs> it's not. You remember, like that? There's that. There's that. Um. That. Uh. That clip of like Katie Cork, and she's like, "Huh? Tell us what the internet is." Like, you ever see that? That. That clip. No, but I could hear Katie, Katie oh. Cork there. Oh, it's fucking great. It's like from like 1993. It's like, yeah, this new thing <laughs> called the internet. Uh, Internet Hall of Fame celebrating internet visionaries. Holy shit! There is Internet Hall of Fame, and Internet it's Hall like of Fame. Hall of Fame for everything now. Yeah. InternetHallOfFame.org. Nice. .org. It's wow. Okay, so on the page, it's a lot of white men. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! But not all. Not Shocker. all. Not all. There is Alejandro Pisanti, Carlos Afonso. Uh, Day Young Kim, uh, uh, Dan Kaminsky, Dr. George Varghese, Frode Greisen, Hans Werner Braun, Jan Grutard, Kenneth J. Klingenstein. A lot of German folks on here. Pa Spilling. 
Um, it happens yeah, after man. you lose a war. You have nothing else to do. You could just build the internet. Is there an actual building for this? Like a, mo- a brick and mortar building for the internet? That would be no way. Like, is there a- no, the irony of that would be insane. It would have to be an online it's only. It's got to be, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be. There's what? Four. There's a, one, two, three, four. So it's 21 people. Nice. We could do that. Oh, I apologize. No, I apologize. Those are only the 2021 inductees. Oh, oh my God. It goes back to 2012, 13, 14, 17. So then they skipped a couple of years, 19 and 21. Nothing happened in the internet, internet. I guess. Let's see. Who was the first? So, oh, oh boy. Bill Gates. Bill Gates. The first, induct- the first inductee. Al motherfucking Gore. Oh, get the fuck really? out of here. For real? Al Gore. Oh. Al, I created the internet gore. Look at that fucking guy. I'm not doing wow. that episode now. We are not doing that episode. <laughs> I can't. Holy shit. Yeah. L- Al Gore. It- okay. Like, who is it him? Well, he, wait, he- wait, wait. Who else is in that? Uh, In that particular. I don't know these people. Brewster. No, Cole- is there anybody notable, I should say? I mean, they're all notable, but not that I know of any of them. Well, that's what I mean. Like names no. that we like, you come across Al Gore in the Internet Hall of Fame. Uh, anybody ever heard of? Anybody ever heard of Larry Landweber? Negative. Is it, no. Isn't so then, he a leisure suit, Larry? He he looks like he would be a leisure suit leisure suit, Larry, for sure. Um, <laughs> if if I'm being honest, let's see, 2013. Then we'll get back to our show. Uh, nobody, Francois. Oh no, this man's name is Francois Fluckiger. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Flukiger. Doesn't ring a bell. Sorry, what a fucking name. No, but it's a great name, though. Um, no, no. If you travel. Yeah. <laughs> France. Yeah. Flukiger. No, uh, no, nobody that I know from 2014. We'll have to do a deeper dive into this for sure. All right. Um, who's up? Who, we got to get back to our last one. Oh, sorry. Uh, Joe, you are up at your number two. I want to carry on. So a few months ago, I went to a store. I don't remember what store it was. I was returning something I had purchased on a website. So I went up to the register and I said to the lady at the register, I'm returning an internet order. And she looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you talking about? And I'm like, I bought this on the internet. You you mean the web order? I said, yeah. Like, am I that old? Is that crazy? I don't she, she she wasn't going to accept internet order. She's you like, had to say web order, order to get this thing processed. I'm sorry, sir. Do you mean I mean, web we're order? We're all about the same age here. Is that an old guy thing <laughs> to say? I don't know. No, I think she was just she was just being an asshole. Like, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, we don't do internet orders. If you have a web order, that's what is fine. An internet order. I was like, an internet order. She's like a web order. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> same thing. The same fucking thing. <laughs> she was probably fixing oh no, what was she like 15 no Joe that's, that's not an old thing that's like she was fucking with you that's oh, what, okay. yeah she, she was, was clearly fucking with you you think mm-hmm. I don't yeah. she was young I don't she, I really think she doesn't know what the internet order me I think they only know web order like I bought this online wow. it's a web order I don't I don't know that's whatever maybe we are old well we are but you know like I didn't think we were you that know, old where Using the word internet is old. This is what you have to do. We got to test this theory out. Tomorrow, go someplace, order like 
coffee from Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, and go into the place right away. And like, I placed an order on the internet and just see what they say. I had an internet order. You sound like a crazy person. Well, if you walk in, you start off. Look, uh, I was surfing the web, and I placed an order on the internet. I'd like to return it. They're gonna be like, oh, all, please, if at all possible. They're gonna be like, is there a hidden camera here, sir? What's happening? You know, look, I went in there and I bought the whole thing. Look, I went the whole nine. You know, and uh, <laughs> you know, I'd really like to. You know, I was gonna bring it in. I was starting to get some cold feet, but then I realized, you know, I I, I just bring it in. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I had to meet a deadline. I figured, fuck it, I might as well just bite the bullet, you know. And I know, uh, you know, it's, it's gonna cost an arm and a leg, but you know. Oh my god, that was great! Way to tie it all together. And and if you go into a Starbucks, they might actually spill the beans. Like it's oh. a possible, like oh. a literal uh, spilling of the beans. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Yeah, that was that was good. Oh. Okay, um, me number ten. My number 10 is freebie. It's not really a story, but uh, an earworm. Do we know what an earworm is, gentlemen? It is not a real thing. Um, so an earworm... I really thought they were earworms. Yeah, I thought that too. Uh, an earworm is when you have a song stuck in your head or you have a melody stuck in your head, and it's, it's supposed to be as though there's a, a worm singing in your head constantly over this and over a song that never yeah ends. so I want, as our last one on i wanted to open it up do you gentlemen have, yes i do do we have you know ones besides I, that one I have yes actually so unique one but go ahead all right so here's my story with an earworm i used to go to my it's not really my aunt's house but it's like my mom's best friend growing up she had a house in cape cod and it's my aunt but her house was on this this lake and every summer we would go up there and we would go tubing we throw a tube on the battle boat and like you know like he he would hit it ball to the wall you know what i mean and he would he would he would hit the gas and and we would go up over you know over the wake and you know all that stuff but every single time i would get on that tube i would sing under the bridge from the red hot chili peppers and I don't know why. And as I'm on this tube and I'm going up on the bridge downtown is where I drew some blood. Right. And I would just go and I would sing that song, you know, the entire time. And um, so I went up to Lake Bomacine in Vermont last year and they we did some tubing and fucking bam. Soon as I got onto the tube, what starts playing in my head? That earworm was fucking dormant and it came back and I started soon as we went off back right back to under fucking the under the bridge. It came That's right back, cool, and it was it was like uh, it was insane. Like I was, it, that is my tubing song. So I I have an earworm that has become my tubing song when I tube on fresh load, uh, freshwater lakes, and it is under the bridge. Unique, so. very unique. I like that. Very mm. interesting, Doctor Mike. How about you, sir? No, nothing. No, it's like a never ending. It's always changing. Depending on what's happening in my life and my day, something just pops in your head, and it's like, ah, oh, that's a good one. But I mm. love the fact of. How you cannot hear a song for such a long period of time, and it's just like, wow, this was such a great song, and you know the words like it's yeah. never like like you like you haven't heard it in ten years. Yeah. You can hear it; it just comes right back to you. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. So, well, I, I, Joe, you said you got an earworm. Yeah, I have. I have two very very bad ones that have been for decades, and I'm not even kidding. Um, one is the guitar riff to "Fairies Wear Boots" by Black Sabbath. I don't know why. Okay. Just that guitar riff 
always in my head all the time. Um, third <laughs> one is a very specifically unique. Nobody has ever heard this before, apparently. When I was in middle school, I played this game on a computer. It was called Shivers. And the game was a very old mid-90s game where you traveled through a haunted mansion and you collected things and this and that. And every room you went into had a different ambiance and a different noise or whatever. But if you would go into the elevator in this haunted mansion, there was a very specific elevator song. And it's called Elevator Song from Shivers. And that song <laughs> is constantly, constantly <laughs> rolling around. Just any time of day for no reason. Elevator. Since song. middle school? Since, yeah, mid-90s. And I'm not kidding around. And I will whistle it. I will hum it. <laughs> and people, my wife, my friend, like, what the fuck is that? I tell them. And they're like, did you just play this? I'm like, no, I haven't played this game since 1995. But it's, <laughs> it's still there. And for those of you listening, I, I met Joe in middle school. Like, we, we met in sixth grade. Like, so this is this was happening unbeknownst to me as oh, yeah. we were friends. In middle school, you had this, this song. Right? Wow. Just, it, I don't know what it is. Just a catchy. Just look it up later on. Just listen to it. Just right. I'm afraid. I feel like it's going to get stuck in my head, oh, too. We should make that the new theme to this to the show. Elevator <laughs> Shivers. And if anybody out there That's has played Shivers, because I've never met anybody else who's even played the game. So if you've played the game, then you know what I'm talking about. It's just a very... I mean, Oregon Trail, <laughs> Face Maker back in middle uh, elementary school. I remember that game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, Shivers. No. That is wow. my constant earworm. And that is my number 10, folks. All right. Are are we on to to me? Is this is this now? Is this my turn? Yep. You're all. all right. I'm the last one. All right. So the one that I got is "Cat Got Your Tongue." We've all heard that one before. We all, you know, I've probably had someone older say that to us because you know, like you know, I made it. Uh, I have an internet order, you know, and uh, old people say shit like that. Uh, so. So cat got your, your tongue is, is somebody who's at a loss of words, you know, ah, what do you got, cat got your tongue, right? And and so, you know, somebody, somebody's not speaking. So the origin is the English Navy used to actually use a whip called the, uh, the cat of nine tails. And so I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, the dominatrix uses it. It's got like the nine little, you know, leather straps yeah. on there. And they used to have like a little hook on there um, as well. So it wasn't just a strap that was hitting you, it was a little hook that would dig into your skin. And when they pulled it out, it would rip out chunks of flesh as well i mean this thing really fucked you up and so they said that the pain was so severe uh that the 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 pain it would leave people speechless that they just could not speak uh after the pain that they suffered from the cat and nine tails now i also heard of another possible source of this and it comes from ancient egypt and liars and blasphemers uh their tongues were actually uh cut out and they were fed to cats and because uh, cats were looked at as, you know, uh, uh, godly and very, very special to ancient Egyptian uh, uh, society. So, yes. So when someone was a blasphemer or a, femur, a, a blasphemer or a liar, their tongue would be cut out and it would be fed to cats. And so thus, oh, can't say anything. This cat got your tongue and literally <laughs> cat was eating the tongues. No, fuck cats. Um, we'll do a whole episode on them too. Seriously. All right, guys. Uh, I think I think we hit it pretty hard. Uh, 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 great night tonight. Uh, I think we all did awesome. All right, uh, everybody out there, 
Thank you for for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast Story of. And uh, guys, please, please, please rate our show with five stars. Otherwise, don't rate it. We uh oh Sweden. I see you, Sweden. We got a lot of listeners in Sweden rolling up the uh a, a chart there. So Sweden, thank you. We see you. And um, guys, uh, stay out there. Stay you and stay weird. Adios, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs>